try to talk a little bit about concepts such as virtue, concepts such as doing the right versus the wrong thing, concepts such as righteousness versus wickedness, at least the so say, to get a little dramatic. So we can start with asking, what is the modus operandi uh, of a creature uh, in its or his or her initial uh, natural state? Meaning we see, uh, we can watch a video of a baby elephant being born and it plops out, there a baby giraffe or a baby rhinoceros. It's, it's almost like an adult except much, much smaller. Uh, and we see that right away there's there's no something. Things are going on. It wants some things. It doesn't want some other things. And that, of course, extends to uh, us, the homo sapien infants. Uh, it's not as if they're neutral about everything, uh, barring uh, medical outliers, things like that. But uh, generally speaking, a baby understands perfectly well what it means to be hungry, what it means to be thirsty, what it means to be cold, what it means to be hot, uh, what it means to be uh, uh, petted or, or uh, held and or not held and petted, not to be. Uh, when, when nobody comes at night, to, uh, when the baby's crying, the baby understands perfectly well. And we see, in fact, that even insects understand, even probably newborn insects uh, very quickly understand what is to their interest, what they have to do. Maybe uh, a fig wasp lays some eggs in a fig uh, and uh, they hatch and, and there's some complicated things that go on. They have to escape through a particular hole, believe it is. Uh, they have to I don't mess it up, but uh, eat something or someone. Something happens with the, the fig and fig wasp, but uh, insects know what they're doing as well. So we see that each of us has a, a certain natural context, and we perceive our interest in terms of this context. Now, initially, it starts out very simple and, and simply to do with basic things that we understand, such as heat and cold, uh, thirst, hunger. But eventually, it becomes at least a little bit more complicated and it incorporates uh, a kind of a, a certain emotional, psychological, uh, and uh, f circumstantial factors into our calculation of self-interest. And basically, it kind of, in a, if we wanted to paint a very broad stroke, we can say <laughs> it might even be just a tautology. But we can say that our self-interest in our initial state, in our state of nature, lies in attaining the object of our desires, no matter what those desires might be. Meaning the cause, uh, the the source of the desires of or of a given desire, the sources might be innumerable. They might be thousands. Who's to say tens of thousands? A little bit of psychology here, a little bit of physiology here, just to make these distinctions. A little bit of environment, a little bit of heredity, a little bit of conscious uh, consideration of something, a little bit of logic. So, so many different things, but ultimately something occurs to where we want a certain thing. For example. I want to itch my back, right? Or I want to take a breath, or I want to eat, or I don't want to, right? Then I ate a little bit. I don't want to eat anymore. I scratched an itch. I don't want to scratch it, hopefully, anymore. I took a breath, and uh, well, soon enough, I also want to take another breath, right? But uh, also more complicated things. I want to go to the mall today. Or I don't want to. I want to go to the beach today. Or I don't want to. I want to go for a walk in a park today. Or I don't want to. Or down the street. Or I don't want to. I see a place of living. I want that. I want to live there. I see an object on television or walking by a storefront. I want it. All right? I see a person. I want that person in my life. Or I don't want that person in my life. So this is the basic currency of any and every creature in, in in our state of nature, which is the, the fulfillment of desires. And we see, again, animals and insects do incredibly complicated things, and we wouldn't uh, 
kind of suppose that at least all of them could even conceivably give an account of what they do. I say there's an octopus that sits on on its eggs for, uh, uh, leave it as a, a few months, maybe even, right? And yet if we interview the octopus and somehow it had language magically, or if it had language, it might have understanding magically, but let's just say it had language with its present understanding. Excuse me. We could ask it, what is it doing, right? When it, uh, How would it uh, know to say, in a few months, my eggs are going to hatch? There's so many complicated concepts here, eggs and and, and, and that I'm a, I'm a mother, and that I have to guard them, and there's so so many things. So we wouldn't expect the, uh, the the octopus to be able to answer. Or we say an iguana crawled down uh, to to the hot uh, ground of a of a volcano, or or something near a volcano, something like that. I leave some eggs and then crawl back up without even seeing them hatch. So how would they the want to know what what it's doing right i'm I'm, uh, trying to pass on my uh, genes yeah right right probably not so we say that and yet at the same time right we we can't really say it wouldn't be reasonable to say that uh uh, there's no cause for it for such behavior it just kind of occurs what does that even mean we would say that the iguana the octopus the the birds the, the animals every every animal every insect does what what it wants to do the desire arises for whatever cause for whatever reason we would attribute and we can use words like instinct not too explanatory whatever word we want to use the desire arises and then the in the the, the form of life moves to fulfill its desire so in our state of nature we say that we're simply a machine it's not simply it's, it's very interesting and complicated but we're a machine we can describe ourselves as a machine for the satisfaction and the fulfillment uh, uh, of desires whenever they arise. And this is, of course, a, a state that does not require uh, consciousness or any more consciousness than is needed to figure out how to meet our desires, meaning we say that in, in our initial state of nature, our consciousness is limited to figuring out uh, how to satisfy our desires. And by that, in a connection with a term such as consciousness, we might imagine uh, some kind of uh, something floating or some kind of mist Right there's so whatever we imagine, so it's also a, a tricky word to use. But here, what we would mean is any kind of also probably tough to, to use words to describe. Like if we hold up our hand and we're and and we see that I have, if we can see, and if we have a hand, not to make assumptions, but if so, and we see I have a hand and I have five fingers in whatever that state of intimate, direct intuition, knowledge, awareness, uh, uh, whatever we want to call it is we can call that consciousness. Now, what am I conscious of? I'm conscious of that it, 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 that which my desire gives me cause to be conscious of. For example, that to, to know where I'm going or, or uh, where I'm driving or, or what the, the stock scores are, what the sports scores are, whatever it is that I want to be conscious of, I'm conscious of. Whatever it is, I have no interest in. Whatever it is, I have no desire for. It's not. It doesn't exist for me to so say. Now we can only make negations like this from a perspective from which something does exist on a technical note. So it's tricky how how to describe it. But at least colloquially speaking, we would say it then doesn't exist for me. So we say that uh, the the for desires can be fulfilled with the minimal degree of consciousness. We see unbelievable schemes by the way of animals and insects. And again, we can't attribute too much consciousness to them. And yeah, they can do it because apparently it's not needed to, to know a whole bunch of things. Uh, a spider doesn't need to know about gravity uh, in order to spin its web. Uh, a fly doesn't need to know about gravity either, right? Or about uh, 
uh, aerodynamics in order to fly or a bird. So we, we're only conscious of what we need to be conscious of. So we see in our state of nature, uh, we're just conscious of what we need to fulfill our desires. And that's why we see these amazing instances of, of an individual that certainly has to be conscious of so, so many things to run an incredibly complicated scheme of some or another sort that he or she wants to run, whatever it might be. To, to gain money or to uh, to gain some kind of interest or wh whatever the case may be. So a person then is conscious of so, so many different things. To conquer the world, to conquer a nation, a, a warlord, a dictator, to, to win a political election, uh, uh, an aspiring uh, a politician, whatever the case may be. Right? So the person is conscious of a, of a tremendous amount of things uh, concerning that which he or she wants to be conscious of. Uh, my money's here. I have 10 offshore accounts. Right? That that My political strategy is the campaign here. This is what I have to say. Right? As plenty of consciousness, plenty of knowledge. And yet one step uh, away from that spotlight uh, 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 to so say, shown, uh, that, that, that shining for, from the desire and a person has no idea what's going on. A person may not be, be cognizant even of his or her name potentially, uh, and certainly not of any kind of deeper themes of life or, or of any anything to do with anything at all, aside from what I want to be conscious of, because that's uh, it. It would appear that that is how uh, this this thing works. <laughs> we have a desire, and it animates. Uh, it then it demands a certain degree of attention. It demands a certain degree of awareness of what's going on, and, and then uh, we we dole out that awareness and attention in light of uh, the desire. So anyhow, we kind of covered a lot of territory here, uh, but we want to circle back to, to the initial questions concerning virtue, concerning righteousness. So we would say that in our state of nature, our perceived self-interest uh, is, is strictly in light of, it's narrowed down to these accidents of individuality, to so say, not to say they're random, but just to so call them of our creaturely and psychological realities. Uh, meaning, excuse me, my self-interest lies in, in, in fulfilling the physical needs that I want to fulfill, which, remember, can, of course, be altered significantly by the psychological. Some people want to destroy themselves or harm themselves physically. So uh, we're saying in an unadulterated state, we have certain physiological demands. They can be modified. But uh, to fulfill those demands, to fulfill our psychological demands, and, and to basically always get what we want, whatever it is that, that we happen to want to exert, our self-will uh, and, and to, to attain the objects of our desire. So this is our perceived self-interest and that is why we see a person could be 120 years old without necessarily expecting another 100 years of life, right? Without kind of too much to gain or to lose. And yet, if you say take something from a person, like their parking spot, if they still drive or, or you don't give them something that they want, right? This is my spot in line at the DMV. This is my, uh, uh, um, I want the, the, to pay this much for the bill, but you charge me extra. A person will absolutely, uh, if there's any strength at all left, and frequently strength is found for just, just such things, a person will fight. A person will protest. A person will make a fuss and a noise. Why? Because that, that's our nature. I, we have to get what we want, no matter what. It's not rational in this higher way. It's not a calculation of our conscious mind, uh, uh, the, the thing, the, the, kind of the drive itself, the, the concomitance of it. We need for it, but the drive itself, but the, 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 the impulse itself, it's just what it is. We, we strive to get what we want. 
So anyhow, we would say that in our state of nature, it doesn't much matter what it is that we do or don't do because we're in our state of nature. We remain unconscious and we remain simply pursuing our desires, uh, which all arise uh, again in light of our selfishness, in light of our very narrow self-interest. And consequently, uh, we would say that the virtue and righteousness, to so say, the way we want to define them in an elevated way cannot be found within the, the shadow of this unconscious, uh, uh, instinctual, animalistic being, uh, uh, ir irrespective of how one might evaluate the, the, the actions that one does. Meaning we see traditionally that many, uh, if not most, uh, uh, attempts uh, to... Define morality, to define virtue, to define what it means to, to be a, a righteous human being, to be decent, uh, are concerned with the external uh, and, and trying to calculate the effects of, uh, of given action. So, for example, excuse me, this is I did a good thing because it was uh, the, the right thing. And it was the right thing because it was a good thing. Right? I gave the money to charity and it was a good thing. Because it's good to give money to charity. Why is it good? Because it's the right thing. Why is it the right thing? And maybe because it's nice for people to live. It's nice to feed people, right? So it, it circles back in, in, in on itself. Why should I, uh, 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 what is virtue? Doing the right thing. What is the right thing? It's that which is virtuous, right? So how do we get out of loops like this? Uh, other uh, kind of uh, approaches here might be to say that uh, it has to do with the will itself. What do I want to do, right? But how do I define a positive will as opposed to a negative will? If I'm not going to cite the external and if I cite the external again, I held the door open. I gave money to charity. What am I? How do I get out of the loop? How do I ultimately say this is what's good and this is not what's good? So here we would say that uh, ultimately uh, to, to make the prior point a little deeper and not to leave it at the superficial, we can simply obviously attribute this this drive to satisfy our desires to something superficial and silly. We can just say, oh, see, people are so stubborn. Or we can say, ah, it's just instinct. It's just a, a drive to survive. We can say whatever we want, but we can try to think a little deeper and suppose that really here uh, there's a, we have a particular elementary, fundamental nature or, or, or drive or desire that is continually necessarily seeking its expression through us and in us. Uh, and, and we see that part and parcel uh, of this nature is this drive for perfection, for self-transcendence, for attaining every single desire that one has, for attaining total freedom and autonomy, for attaining uh, uh, kind of uh, escaping the, the grasps of, uh, of, uh, of time and, and sickness and disease and death and illness. May we be spared all these things, poverty and dignity. Uh, uh, worthlessness. Right? So we say that every person has an absolute need for self-esteem. Every person has an absolute need for dignity. Obviously, be, be, there's an innumerable amount of particularities that might mask the underlying kind of thing. But ultimately, if we dig deep enough, reason and experience tells us that we're going to hit hit upon the same nature, the same demands, the same needs, all expressed in an in infinite, perhaps, or indefinite, incalculable amount of different ways. So consequently, we would say that insofar as we cannot imagine virtue and righteousness and morality having anything to do with uh, 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 with anything other than what is good, and we cannot imagine anything good being uh, anything other than what has to do with our desires. Let's imagine somebody saying, you know, that's good. I want to use the term good to refer to something that you or and nobody else wants 
in any way at all, on any level whatsoever. It is completely and utterly undesirable. It will satisfy no desires on any level for anyone, but it's still good. Right? What is that term? That, that clearly seems to be a misuse of that term when we use it in all uh, other instances. Normative instances, it refers to the satisfaction of desires. And whatever the term refers to, there is such a reality as the satisfaction of our desires. And, and, and consequently, we would say, that the ultimate good is the satisfaction of an ultimate desire, which is the uh, advancement of, of the nature that anyhow is continually trying to peek out and is continually trying to advance and realize itself. So consequently, uh, uh, we would say that, that real virtue then uh, uh, and real morality and real righteousness is a conscious recognition of uh, uh, our true good, of, uh, of, of what it takes to realize our true good uh, and, and uh, a systematic pursuit of such at the expense of the psychological, at the expense of the creaturely, at the expense of the natural and the base and the initial state that we're in. Meaning, we say, we discuss the, the kind of the modus operandi of, of the uh, creature in, in, in its or his or her state of nature, whether it's an animal, an insect, or homo sapien, whatever the case may be. But here we would say that uh, uh, a creature bestowed with the capacities of mind that, that we are, that our species is, is able to come to some kind of consciousness and awareness of certain things concerning uh, deeper themes of reality and consequently is able to systematically pursue, again, a higher good that no other creature can pursue. And virtue would be that pursuit. It would be choosing that which is higher over that which is lower, defined as that which will lead us to a greater satisfaction of our necessary nature, to a greater realization of our necessary desire, Versus a lesser realization. Unless we sell, but that's the same selfishness as anything else. Well, we have to be a little bit here uh, realistic uh, and, and be in contact with reality. Right? There's been attempts in, uh, in uh, the history of uh, uh, moral thought uh, or, or attempts to, form, to make moral formulations to say that, uh, uh, to try to claim that ethics and morality has to have nothing at all to do with any kind of self-interest at all. But then if we were to say that, that the ultimate right thing is something that has nothing to do with anybody's interest at all. Why is it then the right thing, right? What does it have to do with the interest of a rock? Instead, we would say that the highest morality is that which has to do with our highest interest. It just, it's true that the, the self, uh, the, the interest of, of whom it would be, might not be and probably will not be the self that, that we take ourselves to be, meaning... If I'm immersed in, in my vanity, in my fantasies, in my uh, creaturely selfishness, I, I conceive myself in a different way than it would be possible to conceive myself. Excuse me. If I worked on myself for some time, uh, and, and yet that would still be any and every version of myself, would still be myself, and, and it would say the highest good has to do with the high, my highest self, the highest interest for my highest self, basically the, the, the absolute good right? the, the, that, uh, to which we can't imagine an alternative. So here we would say again that uh, uh, real morality and righteousness and virtue would ha would have to do with that advancement of that that uh, highest self. The so say, uh, and we would say that um, uh, another kind of angle here and perspective to take is that it, it real virtue and righteousness has only to do with 
uh, uh, truth, uh, uh, and it only has to do with uh, the, the reality, and not with fantasy, and not with things that are, you know, the the chivalry code, excuse me, from medieval times, a rule book, something like this. It has to do with the absolute truth. And the reason for that would be that if we're going to grant that our highest interest is to attain our highest being, the, our highest self, our high, uh, the, the greatest satisfaction of our necessary nature and desire, obviously this can only be done in the context of truth, absolute unconditioned truth, because that's where it arises from. It's it's reality. Ultimately, we're, we're part of reality. Right? We may say whatever we want, but we're part and parcel of the whole of reality. All our real, true desires and desire arises is part and parcel of that reality. So consequently, we can only really advance ourselves. We can only really truly attain what we want in the context of as unconditioned and absolute truth as, as is for us possible, as opposed to our fantasy. And we see here that... Um, because we communicate in terms, because we uh, uh, subsist mostly in verbal realities, we can uh, uh, kind of uh, suppose certain verbal realities to, to be to our temporary self-interest. For example, I didn't steal the cookie from the cookie jar when really I did. And this can lead to uh, uh, a greater and greater state of, of corruption and separation from truth to where we cannot feel like we want to feel. We cannot be the way that we want to be. We cannot satisfy anything but our uh, super superfluous uh, uh, and, and surface and superficial desires. And that's not the state that we want to be in. So we would say that real righteousness and virtue is is concerned with the absolute truth. And here, uh, what is such a dramatic word referred to? Right? Something that the study has backed. Oh, look, I'm going uh, to to be truly virtuous. I have to get 10 studies to check my claim here. It may be, but also we can say that it has to do with clarity uh, of thought, right? meaning we say that we can either settle for some kind of uh, emotionally driven uh, uh, word salad, combination of word salad. It's not my fault. Uh, I'm gr- it's all good. Uh, I didn't, uh, I'm great. I'm perfect. Uh, I didn't do it. Uh, just some kind of word salad. Or we can push and push in any and every aspect that we're familiar with to try to uncover the, the reality, which we could again call the, the clarity of thought. And just like a detective would. In a mystery, say not a murder, a robbing mystery, right? There's, it's, it's possible to, to gain clarity in these things. Uh, maybe circumstantially it might not be if there's no evidence, but generally it's possible. You get the fingerprints, let me figure out that, let me check the CCTV or whatever it is, footage. You interview people correctly, let me collect the evidence correctly, all these things. We try to gain clarity, so it's the same thing. Who am I? Who are other people? What's my relation to other people? What do I do in life? What are my duties? I can continually, I can either subsist in this creaturely, psychological, pathological, unconscious reality where I have no consideration at all for any kind of truth. I don't know and I don't care other than uh, what I perceive to be right now, this immediate desire that I have and I'm willing to say or not say anything. Or I can say that always that my real good lies with the, the real truth and I can push and ask and inquire my at least myself not others and try to figure out what's going on what is the reality am I at fault am I not at fault did I do it did I not do it am I responsible am I not responsible is this my duty or is this not my duty uh, do other people exist and should I mind their existence or should I only mind my own selfish uh, uh, vanity right these kinds of things uh, why did he or she act the way he or she did instead of just reacting emotionally I can always push for truth I can always push for clarity of thought and the more ruthlessly I can do it the the, the more intently and absolutely I can do it 
the the more uh, kind of a, a remove the the falsehood and remove the fantasy and remove the muck and the yuck and the guck that is separating me from a clear vision of things within which my nature can be satisfied, my innermost desire can be advanced, uh, and thus the absolute good can be reached. So we would say, anyhow, to conclude again, to recap, that uh, real virtue and righteousness is concerned precisely with that, uh, with the truth in light of uh, the pursuit of our of our highest good and the reward of virtue is is more virtue the reward of righteousness is more righteousness as opposed to something creaturely i'm going to say do say the truth and do the right thing and consequently i'll get a, a, a more of a sale right though be more materially successful that's the the animalistic frame of mind which is fine but we're, we're trying to overcome that at least eventually and we would say that the reward of being truly truthful in a, in a truly truly truthful is that we uh, remove some falsehood and we get to be even more truthful next time and, and dig the deeper levels of reality and and uh, advance yourself and uh, more and, and conceive of the absolute good more so if we want to call all of that as a package kind of righteousness and virtue we can say that the reward of righteousness is the opportunity to be more righteous and the reward of virtue is the opportunity to be more virtuous but those are just words and we have to think what the words stand for and we can do that and think about these interesting complicated issues thank you for listening